0: Welcome to Walk Softly walk. Children. I am Joe Aguirre, executive producer of this podcast, along with our fabulous host, Jessica Fritz Aguirre. Uh, just a couple of radio interviews. The last two episodes, we just released those. You're really trying to get more attention. It's something we've been talking about for years now, about the Doreen Vincent case.
1: Well, I think that those were very helpful because there are a lot of people that are a little bit wary of jumping into the podcast just because it's been going on for so long. There's three seasons, I think almost 40 episodes now, and people are a little bit intimidated by that and might need sort of a primer on what the overview is about. I think, though, Joe, interviewing with both you and Vinnie Penn, I found myself uh, struggling to get every single detail out because there are so many. I forgot some with Vinnie, I forgot some with you, but I tried to make clear that this, while it seems like such a simple case, is really not.
0: Yeah if you if you haven't listened to the two episodes, again, they're both radio interviews. One was with me on the radio and another with my good friend Vinnie Penn. Uh, the radio stations cover New Haven, Wallingford, Dan, Danbury, Waterbury, Milford, and Bridgeport. like really the, the main areas of this case where we think people might know something, Uh, So, again, to hit those service areas uh, in these interviews was huge. And as you said, you didn't get all the information out. But if you listen to both, you may learn some things uh, from the two different versions of uh, the two different radio interviews.
1: And, you know, having been steeped in this case for so long, sometimes I forget that all the details are just so shocking. Like, for example, I'm telling Vinny about, you know, the park ranger. That's a a shocking fact, a shocking development. Um, You know, I'm telling him that the door locked from the inside. I'm telling him about the diary burning in the driveway. And one thing I forgot to tell him about was, you know, Doreen's clothes, the denim jacket hanging in the closet. And I think when you're talking to a new person, it just kind of builds the fire in me so much more because I'm like, yes, this is terrible. Yes, this is shocking yes, something should have been done about this a long time ago.
0: If you don't know the case, listen to the Vinnie Penn interview first. And if you do know the case, you could even skip to Vinny one uh, and just listen to us. Because I thought, although we didn't talk about uh, the the park ranger and, and our version of it.
1: There's just too much. I mean, there you, is. Know, you and I talk so much. You, you had a limit, obviously, on the show. But there's so many details to to get out and as I always say, when I started this, I thought, OK, something should have been done about this. It's open and shut. So simple. And then I started to all these details and weird secrets and rabbit holes started to come out. But you know what? They all tie back to the case. It's just about putting the puzzle pieces together.
0: And we're looking and hoping that maybe somebody knows something that was part of doing the interviews again, hitting those particular uh, cities and towns. We're going at it now with a new approach. Uh same basic area, different, different method of communication. Yeah,
1: this is so so exciting, everybody. So I'd had this idea for a while and then it was recently done by another podcaster that a listener brought my attention to it. It's a billboard campaign. Uh, I was a little intimidated by taking that on, but Joe put me in touch with some of the people at Lamar. That's the billboard advertising company here in Connecticut. I got in touch with them and asked what it would be to put up a couple of billboards. Uh, We're going to put one up. Well, actually, we were going to put two up in New Haven until I got in touch with Donna, Doreen's mother. And she said, I'm going to send you a check. She said, but just do me a favor. I'll send money on one condition. I want one of those billboards as close to Mark Vincent as possible. Now, that's something we're going to get into in a minute. Um, But, yeah, I, I talked to Lamar. Two billboards were going to be roughly $8,000. They're up for four weeks. I just found out, Joe, they're digital, so we can swap out a bunch of different, um, you know, uh, v- uh, varieties of them, mm-hmm. a diff- a couple different versions of them. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, just asking people, you know, someone knows something. 35 years ago, she went missing. And, you know, just serendipitously, the woman who I'm working with at Lamar said, oh, How about they go up on June 12th? That's a good open day for the billboards to go up. And if everybody remembers, that is the day that Joe and I believe she went missing. The official day is June 15th, but based on the work Joe and I have done, you know, the screaming from the farmhouse, the neighbor, Jimmy Piscotti, being there on the weekend, we believe that it was that Sunday, June 12th, and they will be going up on the 35th anniversary of her disappearance.
0: Which also happens to be your birthday.
1: Yeah, the thirty fifth anniversary of my tenth birthday. You guys can do the math.
0: Yeah, you're older. People who people <laughs> understand that. Um, no, I'm joking. You're not older. <laughs> no, this is really great news. We haven't quite got all eight thousand dollars though. We are doing a GoFundMe and if people want to get involved with the GoFundMe, the quickest way probably to do that is to join the sticky beak group on Facebook.
1: It's not sticky beak anymore, Joe.
0: The Walk Softly Children Group.
1: That's right. So the GoFundMe is called Billboards for Doreen. You know, someone did point out to me recently that you can also Venmo me, and maybe you should, at Jessica-Fritz Aguire. That's F-R-I-T-Z-A-G-U-I-A-R. I've gotten out some of the money recently, and the fees are pretty large. So I added a little surplus to that number. What we're trying to raise is eighty-seven fifty. Anything additional raised over that amount, I will be donating to Rain, the Rape Abuse Incest National Network. But yeah, we've got, with Venmo uh, contributions, we, Joe, are at about 7,600. So we need just over a 1,000 more to put those billboards up. They'll be going up on I-91 and I-95 in Connecticut in prime areas where people who knew Mark, who knew Doreen, who maybe grew up around her these billboards with her face on them and, you know, the the podcast name and my email, we're hoping can generate some really great leads that we haven't gotten yet.
0: Now, again, so far raised a a ton of that money and it's interesting who's donated. Do you want to kind of get into exactly who? I'm, I'm talking about specific people here who have donated.
1: Yeah, specific people. So as of today, I believe it's 120 people who have donated, which is huge, but we have gotten donations from mark vincent's four siblings which is huge they sent me quite a bit of money and i'm very appreciative for that obviously donna sent me money her two sisters debbie and carol sent me money her brother joe sent me money which means all four of the murad siblings including donna dorian's mother and all four of mark Vincent's siblings contributed as well as dorian's maternal grandmother jane uh which got me a a, quite a bit towards my goal the great thing about that is their contribution was such a huge part of it but honestly when you subtract the family's money and you divide it by how many people gave people are on average giving about twenty five dollars and that you know might seem like a lot to people maybe a little to some people but it really it's been so many people just giving what they can you know we talked about some people Joe gave five dollars dollars right just whatever they could to just chip in and it's really gotten us
0: somebody gave so two hundred seventy three dollars and as i pointed out she was born in february of 73 so people are picking numbers uh again whatever you can do but it, it certainly would help and we've donated uh to this as well
1: yeah we've got skin in the game too right
0: <laughs> of course we do we Our
1: family members joe your mom my mom my grandmother my sister Uh, neighbors and friends just everybody wants to see something happen for this little girl and her story was so cold for so long and really not a lot of people know the story outside of you know maybe Meriden and Wallingford and then this family this listener community that we've created so I want people to well I was going to say stop in their tracks but they're driving so maybe not stop in their tracks but keep on going and get home and and look that up And ask yourself, why don't I know this case?
0: What is the email?
1: It's justicefordori, D-O-R-I, at gmail.com. Anyone can contact me there. You know what I get a lot of from people are thoughts, comments, just random suggestions that you might think, oh, she's probably thought about this, or maybe Joe thought about this, or I don't want to bother her. Absolutely not. Please email me anything you think of. I've gotten so many suggestions from people who know so many different corners of this case that I don't like, um, you know, people who know what the parole system is like so they can talk to me about Mark's parole. People who have done FOIA requests, again, I'm not,
0: People that understand expert. guns and forensics exactly. have reached out as well. Exactly. So you
1: know, put put these little things in my brain, and even if you think that you know, maybe it's obvious. It's obvious to you. It's not necessarily.
0: People who stuff. own metal detectors are yeah. constantly, and drones are like, "Do you want us to go out there?" Stuff like that. So yeah, again, listen, open to everything. If you have a theory on the case, if you think you could crack this thing, or you think you have some ID, you haven't heard us explore. Certainly, would love to hear from you as well on that it would be great
1: you know i want i want to say a thank you to everyone that has donated but there is a listener named cheyenne she is an american she's an attorney but she's actually living in london she just recently got in touch joe and her suggestions have been so on point they've really given me avenues to explore like you know what kind of stuff i can get in foia can i get mark's phone calls in prison can i get his logs and It was striking because for someone who I haven't really been in contact with, it was right before I started the billboard campaign. I was on the the precipice of it. She said to me, have you ever started a GoFundMe or anything to raise money for Doreen? Because if you did, I would send $500. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, really? Oh, okay." And I started it and first day, $500. Again, we know not everyone has $500 to give or a thousand like Donna did, which just blew me away. Um, But five dollars ten dollars these will get us there and we've got eight days until june 12th i need to pay that contract on june 12th and those are the days they'll go up i am taking the day off not just because it's my birthday but because i want to celebrate i'll be driving around the state getting some footage of those billboards you know and really uh i don't want to say celebrating but you know celebrating our achievements what we've done with this case with the help of all of you And really just you know taking a moment to honor Doreen and her telling her story and how long she's been gone
0: this is super personal but you also got a really nice note from Donna and I'm not gonna even ask you to share any of the content but uh, you were crying your eyes out after you read it
1: really I'm gonna cry now
0: good Yeah. Um,
1: yeah and I didn't expect that you know I was driving I haven't spoken to Donna in a while you know she communicates through debbie i communicate through her sister debbie and um sorry i'm gonna cry um you know it's hard for donna um this has been so long she was 30 when Doreen disappeared and she's gonna be 65 and so she spent you know more time um without her daughter or i guess more than half her life you know just wondering where her daughter is and she knows what happened but she doesn't know where her daughter is and it it really pains her. Um, So she has kind of shut herself off a little bit from dealing with me personally. Um, And it was nice to hear her voice. It was nice to hear her, you know, it's just hard for her. And for her to send me the note that she did, you know, the little letter and getting that check was just a little overwhelming for me. So um, thanks, Donna. I really appreciate it.
0: I, it, I know it's, it means a lot to you and, you know, having the support of all the siblings here on both sides of the family is very important to you as far as the work that you're doing. And, and you know, again, I don't, as far as Donna concerned, yeah, you know, we are airing out stuff that she lived through once already and has suffered through for 30 years and we've rehashed a lot of it and she gets it that we're doing it. It's just hard to be a part of this. But she is a part of this, and she is with us.
1: And people came along, I think, a lot, you know, when we got in contact with her, with Sarah Demio. It was back in December of 2018, which was almost five years ago. You know, Joe, we told her in her house
0: in Waterbury, we will be here until this is over. You know, before that even happened, the very first phone call, Sarah asked me if I would call Donna, and I was like, sure. (laughs) And I called Donna and I promised her that we would. Because Donna said to me, people poke around every now and again and then nothing happens. We get her. It. And I promised that we would see it through.
1: Yeah, I know. We're so silly. Um.
0: So, we're going to see it through and and I think uh they're all on the same page as us right now. And and that's great. And it's unfortunate that uh both the parole board here in Connecticut is not on the same page. And again, you know, this idea that podcasts have been solving cold cases you know it's becoming a lot more frequent that you hear about that but there's no blueprint for it although one of the main ingredients i've noticed to solving these things is the cooperation of the police so we'll get to those dodos in a minute <laughs> cuz i want to make our next meeting a little bit uncomfortable well, you made me sad and now you just Well now it's angry. it's because i'm 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 a little i'm angry at everything that's not what we just talked about cuz the rest of this quite frankly is um, bullshit.
1: Well, let's talk about the the parole really quickly. So it was April 26th. Uh, you guys heard, we did the update episode where I really believed that they were going to laugh in Mark's face you know, and, and throw him back in there. And they told him, you know what, you're a great candidate for parole and we're looking at late July to get you out. Well, I think Joe, it was May 8th or May 18th. It was just recently, but it feels like ugh. Got a text in the morning that said Mark's out. Um, He's under community supervision. And I called the victim's advocate and they said, oh yeah, uh, sometimes people are more qualified than others for early, early release. And she didn't have this information. She wasn't the one who had made the decision, but she said, oh, I guess they must've looked at this Mark Vincent and decided he was one of those candidates. So he is in a halfway house in Bridgeport. Um,
0: That should make everybody worried about our criminal justice system if you already weren't beforehand.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't going to say the name because (laughs) vigilante justice is not the way here, but it is called Maple Street um, Halfway House in Bridgeport. And one of the great things about it, just like Donna said, I'm putting up a billboard right by the halfway house. It's 0.7 miles. He is going to be seeing her face every day. It's literally... The exit that he takes to get to the halfway house now originally both billboards were going to go up in new haven because we'll have money for about two but now that the second one is right down the street from her i think that's great i think he needs to see her face he needs to think about her
0: yeah for sure now let's talk about uh the wallingford pd for a minute because uh after mark got arrested Uh, February of last year, they took on this super arrogant approach, like Mark's not going anywhere. And, uh, we went in there and we met with them and we were like, well, but we should start really working together here so we could put together an actual case for murder against this guy. And again, in the arrogance, (laughs) the arrogance of he's on a gun charge and you reminded them last time this happened in 1990 when he was on a gun charge and rolled out of there super quick no justice really served that this was going to come back to bite them again and here we go
1: you know and i can't speak for sharon sharon has passed and i think was one of mark mark's victims and i'm sure paul vincent wouldn't want me speaking for him either but he's also one of Mark's victim mark's victims you know as mark's son um and it just it's striking that the gun in 89 and 90 that Mark forced Sharon to buy that he got busted with and tried to pass it off. And then the gun that he literally stole from his son uh, that he got busted with this time.
0: Allegedly.
1: Well, that even wasn't one of the charges that he was eventually, you know, pressed on and convicted on. But at the same time, you know, he keeps popping up. You know, it strikes me, Joe, and this is the new episode that I've been working on to talk about where Mark Vincent has been. I've had three big episodes planned recently to talk about, you all know Susan Martin, um, you know, in her wicked ways at Milford Christian Church, but to talk about some of the really evil, you know, arguably illegal things that she has done, as well as Alan Parody. I'm gonna delve deep into Alan Parity's uh, conviction on uh, child assault. And I wanted to talk about, you know, his background at Milford Christian. And then the third episode was going to be about Mark really digging into exploring where he has been since we kind of lost track of him in the 90s and 2000s when he was in and out of Teen Challenge. I've got a ton of information from the Milford Christian people who have helped me piece together, you know, a real look into Mark's life with his wife, Kathy, with his second son, David, who he had with Kathy. And so, yeah, there's so many pieces that I can talk to the cops about. There's so many relationships that I have created with the people who know Mark that I would have been happy to talk about with the police. And it just doesn't seem like they're interested still.
0: Well, you filed another FOIA request. They have uh, said no again without abiding by the law. I mean, it's, again, a level of incompetence. On top of incompetence, covered up by more incompetence, it's stunning. We've offered all the help in the world, and all they've done is fight us on this. And right now in Hartford, they're trying to tighten up the laws on FOIA. But here's the good news, Wallingford PD. Uh, Jessica's a lawyer, and we have all the time in the world. Right, and so this is our second rodeo. We, we can face. keep going to court over and over again. It's nice to see you guys outside of the police department. Uh, nice to see you up at the state capitol. We could certainly do this again.
1: Well, so let me just backtrack, Joe, on what you just said, what he means about not producing what I'm legally entitled to. When you do a FOIA request and they don't produce things, they are supposed to provide you with a log of what they are not producing. You know, statement of Joe Aguirre, from, you know, June 12th, 2023. And then a little line about why. It's sort of like a privilege log, you know, uh, reasons why they're not going to give me the stuff. They just sent me a one-line email that said there is nothing to produce at this time. Now, I'm going to obviously ask them for the log, right? They gave me the information for state attorney, district attorney Seth Garboski. Now, that was really interesting because I'm wondering why they didn't give that to me in the first place. There's been this weird Chinese wall between me and the district attorney's office. Joe, remember, I wasn't supposed to talk to the district attorney yeah. who was supposed to take Mark's confession and they've kept me. There's been that line in the sand between the DA and now they're just sort of tossing it to the DA. Like, well, just talk to him. Um, I guess the plan is maybe for him to tell me to screw off. I don't know. I have yet to call him because this just came in on Friday, um, but I I just I don't understand the runaround. It has been almost five years since we started doing this,
0: and they've gotten no further in their investigation.
1: No, they have.
0: Mm, so, uh, no, they I'm, haven't. I'm
1: just gonna spill it because y- you guys we've we've danced around this. We've actually probably blatantly said it, but Mark did confess to multiple people at Milford Christian Church. I've spoken to people that have heard the confession. I've spoken to people who have heard about the confession. I've spoken to people who have left the church because quote, Pastor Jim Loomer is harboring a murderer. And I guess what Pastor Jim Loomer did, so I've heard allegedly, um, was say, we left it up to God and we left the decision up to God. and mark asked for forgiveness and so all is well
0: he must have been sweating when mark just got arrested last year i would have been oh i said leave it up to god i guess God spoken and then and then god fumbled the football
1: and sent him right to you know that pit of vipers milford christian church's parking lot and you know what guys i'm just gonna say it on the air right now the police have that tip i gave that tip to them last august i actually joe we were leaving on vacation And I woke up super early in the morning, went out to Wallingford before we left for vacation to give them that tip, met with them for quite a while, and nothing has happened. From the beginning, they've told me, we can't move forward unless we have a body or a confession, and we're never going to find the body, and he's never going to confess. Well, he did, and he confessed years ago to people in his church, and there seems to be little to no interest in plumbing that possibility.
0: Well this might get me kicked out of the next meeting but I I don't I don't see any development and it doesn't seem to me like from our first meeting with them years ago to the more previous meeting we had with them that they have even the basic details of the case down. I feel like that's still an issue. Oh,
1: I still correct. It, yeah.
0: Handling. So are they going to solve it? Not on their own. And they know that. And everybody in Connecticut knows that. And everybody in Wallingford knows that. And everybody listens to the podcast knows that. And I suspect even the Wallingford P themselves know that they don't have any chance of solving this. And yet... When offered the opportunity to work with the person who has single-handedly torn this case apart and turned it over its head and literally got it changed from a missing persons into a murder case, you still don't really want to talk to, you still don't want to share any information that could help you get the conviction that you will never, ever get on your own. In addition, you've been offered this nobody expert repeatedly
1: yeah, has bias,
0: right? anybody picked up the phone and called him it's a disgrace at this point and now that this guy murderer is back on the streets you can thank the wallingford police for more stellar police work good job guys
1: well there's the joe rant we didn't know that we were gonna get it but you know it's hey
0: it's been building
1: here here's the good news though joe right when you talk about the next meeting that we'll have with them they kind of forced our hands because the next meeting we are going to have with them will be at the freedom of information commission when I file a complaint about their lack of appropriate response. Now, here's the thing. The first time, you know, they sent me dead leads. They sent me a whole bunch of stuff that I dug out. They hadn't looked at the the phone bill from Mark's house, which has, you know, a whole bunch of little gemstones in there. Um, you know, I guess silly little stones to kick over, which I've been kicking over this whole time. But, by not dealing with it privately and by not just cooperating with us quietly, they are now going to get the exposure, unfortunately, that they don't want. You know, the media will catch on to this, the media will know, Oh, here's another FOIA hearing, something still has I've been
0: happened. sharing this with media people all over the state of Connecticut. And so if more opportunities come for you to speak on it, I, I would, again, point out, because I think it's an obvious question. Everyone that reads about the case is like, oh, Mark did it. What's the problem? Right. Well, I got a story for you. I mean, give me a break. This is, this is like, you know, you, you see so many cases. We watch a lot of <laughs> crime stuff, people that have been railroaded that didn't do stuff, that spent decades in prison. And here is a guy who is, in my opinion, just my opinion, one of the scummiest pieces of crap lowlife of a human being who's ever existed, just my opinion, and they can't do anything about... All the stuff that this guy's done, all of the allegations, all of the things that we know he did that he's accused of doing, and they've done nothing. And we've heard him back in the day, the Milford police were on his trail, couldn't do anything.
1: Oh, the Mil, well, Milford, remember
0: back in the day, Milford the was all was the Bethel cops. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, he has been in and out. You know, one of the most striking things is, and I have to go way back on this, but when they told me that this case had nothing to do, With sexual abuse now put aside all of the signs that doreen was showing that she was an abused child right there's there's not videotaped evidence of it we don't have her word on this but she was showing marked signs of being an abused child um you know the cops told me that what debbie and carol say about their own sexual abuse at 11 and 12 years old at mark's hands is alleged sure it's alleged i mean i guess we only have their word but they have been telling that story for 35 years now
0: About a career criminal who's done worse things than that. Right. Like, as if if that would be so hard to believe, given the guy's rap sheet.
1: But here's the thing, too, Joe. Remember what they knew in 1988 before they did not pursue this case. They knew that he had admittedly taken photos of his own daughter in her underwear. And that did not get the gears turning. They just, they, okay, she's a runaway. I guess she'll turn up somewhere.
0: So we move into the next phase of FOIA here. Uh, We'll see you guys in court, I suppose. Again... No, why it has to be well, that way? To
1: do that, you know. And I remember when we went last time. I can't even remember the chief's name now. Who was the chief that we met with? Chief the, Wright. Right. Who
0: chief Wright. couldn't have been more wrong. And again, oh, you know, it's God. funny they get like, you know, they were all like tense and upset with us that we were there. And it's like, well, we could have been doing this in your office and having fun and talking and and really figuring things out. And instead, you got to bring your city attorney out. You got to bring the detectives out and the sergeants out and waste a whole day. Not that you guys are doing a ton anyway, but wouldn't you rather have the luxury of being able to go out and do things? Come on.
1: Well, here's the other thing, too. Uh, one of the one of the siblings very close to this case, um, one of Doreen's family members, laughs at me because I like to take days off from work, Joe, to do stuff on this case, hit the law library, right? Like, take a trip here, take a trip there, go do an interview, go to Doreen's old schools, go to FOIA hearings. And she said to me, you really like to take, take days off to do this. Is this relaxing for you? And I'm like, you guys should realize I, I like this by now. This gets me going, right? I'll take a day off for a FOIA hearing any day. Um, but you know, it's stuff like that Ranger story. I'll go back to it, right? That Ranger story. We've talked about it. We've turned it inside out. doesn't make any sense. I told the police last year, that story doesn't make any sense. I feel like there's a piece of it that I am missing what is the piece that i am missing and he said you know what you're right you are missing a piece but i'm not going to tell you and here's the thing if he tells me and it's sensitive information that they're holding back to make sure that the crime gets solved that they catch the right guy i'm not going to disseminate that information on this podcast because just as recently as last summer i said again my line has always been i am not here to take the glory from you guys i'm not here to win a contest i'm not here to show you up and they keep saying oh you know we're we're really glad to hear that because you know you have said some stuff about us on the pot it's hard it's hard not to say some stuff because you know what i've been (laughs) i mean you guys have to remember i am a full-time attorney i work a full day every day i've got the kids i've got life and I'm doing this and I'm not saying this for points.
0: We also sit on information at times so that these guys can investigate stuff and then you don't you never hear back from them and it's like can we talk about what we've learned and informed you about did you do what you had to do they you pass information along and they don't really tell you if they're doing anything with it. So again, it makes it makes co co-op, like cooperation is a is a it's both ways it's, well, it's a two-way a street yeah is it's what it's, it comes down to
1: because you know after that that confession I did write to one of the detectives that I've been in contact with and you know I hate to say this on the air guys but you know this is this is what it's come to I left him a message I said you know what about that confession is there any update on the confession and he wrote back what confession and then when I finally spoke to him, he said, well, it's not a real confession. It's an alleged confession. And I said, you knew what I meant, right?
0: This is the same person that confuses hearsay with evidence. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm confused. Like, do you not understand basic law terms? Like, right. honestly, seriously, dude. He, he, I know he doesn't even like me already. I get it. And this isn't going to help, but I don't really care.
1: Well, it's hard. Again, this was not meant to be an adversarial thing. And I don't want it to be an adversarial thing. And it's just, this was a tip, again, given in August. That's almost a year ago. I think I was in touch with him throughout the early fall. October, I touched base. January, I touched base. March, I touched base. And I got nothing. Sometimes, you know, that, Joe, they don't even respond to me. Mm -hmm. So I decided, you know, May 1st, fine. Screw it. FOIA request you know let's see if they want to call me up and say come on in let's cooperate and I still get nothing so if that's the way that they want to play it I'm gonna to have to play that way because I'm not going away
0: we have acted in good faith the whole way through here I've skipped meetings with them that I deem to be a waste of time and you go and spend two hours there and you come back and it was a waste of your time and I'm done I'm done wasting my time on these guys you know again we've pitched theories and thoughts and things that they should be doing and again it's like talking to a brick wall getting getting nowhere and now this guy's back on the streets
1: well and i i don't know if this is obvious from the podcast because i spoke with a listener the other day that said she has re-listened to each episode and this happens a lot people tell me two three four times they listen because they're trying to put the roadmap in their head because they understand that everything is connected but they're trying to put all the pieces together it's hard I know because look guys I'm like a weird encyclopedia with this case it lives in my head and I see it I see it you know splayed out with all its weird little rabbit holes but the most important part of what I've done I think is the relationships that I have developed with people who know the players right I am not exaggerating when I say I've spoken to at least at least 100 people and I have you know, developed relationships with the four, you know, the Murad siblings, including Donna and Mark's four siblings. And I know friends of Mark's who have come forward. I know prior investigators who have worked on this case and haven't been able to solve it, who are still invested in it, who come forward. I know so many people. I have gotten, you know, an assist from the no body guy, Tad Tobias in Washington, D.C., That's been ignored. I mean, I can bring so many people to the forefront on this, but they don't want to hear from them,
0: I guess. Well, I don't want to just sit here and bash the Wallingford police because, again, that's going to get you nowhere. And incidentally, for a podcast that's got so many details where people have listened to episodes multiple times over, imagine being the guy investigating this case and not listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, clown move straight up. To just like if you want all of this information in a nutshell, so you can walk around and know what you're talking about, I would I would listen to the podcast like anybody who listens to the podcast is more knowledgeable about this case than the lead detective. Just by virtue of you've heard the whole thing laid out in in chronological order in, in all different. I mean, come on.
1: You know, I, a lot of listeners have probably also listened to the Your Own Backyard podcast by Chris Lambert, that's another nobody, no confession case. It was Kristen Smart, who was, um, you know, who disappeared from Cal Poly back in 1995 or 96. They just put her murderer, Paul Flores, in jail uh, 25, 27 years later. Um, but after the trial, Chris Lambert was able to speak to the police and the prosecutors about it openly because he'd been doing a lot of work behind the scenes with those players. And, you know, they were doing things like putting things into the podcast that might spur someone to talk, right? They were sort of feeding Chris Lambert information that he could then broadcast that then would spur someone to talk so that a tip would come in. They were working hand in hand with him. And they were, you know, they were developing the case alongside him. They were listening to his podcasts and reading the comments on his podcast as the trial went on to sharpen and develop their trial strategy. They actually took a comment from one of Chris Lambert's, you know, listeners, and it was a huge piece of the closing argument in that case. You know, and that, right? It wasn't from the podcaster, it was from a listener. There's just, it's like we have this hive mind on this case and there's so much to plumb and I yeah
0: well we said the basic facts of this case are so limited that again uh, how would you how could you like the the number one resource on this case is literally this podcast and faded out is number two and then the wallingford pd evidence box is number three why you would skip one and two to look inside three when nothing in three makes sense without one and two is beyond me beyond me well
1: and let's not forget why mark slipped away from vermont right he paul his son thought that he feared that the cops were getting hot and, the, and an arrest was forthcoming in dorian's disappearance
0: and who was the one that sent them up there well yeah right yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: they'll never they won't admit that but give me a break because they didn't they didn't know he was there so they didn't know mm. right yeah i know yeah i
1: know just like they didn't know where he was when i first came to them in January 2009, and I said, have you guys spoken to Mark? Because remember, Joe, you had spoken to Mark, and they said, you spoke with Mark? Yeah. And they wanted the details. See you alive. Yeah, he's alive, and he lives in New Haven, which is, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump from Wallingford. But anyway, we said we weren't going to bash, Joe.
0: No, I don't think we're bashing. We're just pointing out things. And if people think it's bashing, it's probably because someone's not upholding their end of the bargain so to speak. All right. Okay. We're done. Thank you for listening. If you can donate, please do.
1: Even $5 guys.
0: Anything you can do to help to get us to the goal of 8677 whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> However it is, we're very close and, again, very appreciative of, of the support. Uh, please make sure you like and subscribe. Share this with people uh, who you know love true crime who might enjoy this podcast.
1: Write a review if you haven't. That gets it into people's you know feeds for suggested true crime podcasts.
0: Jessica's asking everybody to write <laughs> reviews all the time. So we do appreciate it. Please, uh, whatever you can do to help, if you can kick in, great. Yeah. Um, other than that, just keep on listening, and we've got a whole bunch more coming coming right at you soon.
1: And when those billboards do go up, I will somehow put footage on the Facebook page, join the Facebook page, and you'll be able to see those billboards, you know, in their glory in real time.
0: For Jessica Fritz-Aguire, I'm Joe Aguire. Thanks so much for listening. Walk softly, children. Walk With children Find your freedom Little children